0: Hello and welcome once again to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And today we are together, virtually as always, and (laughs) Carissa and I are talking about a a bit of a sensitive subject in some ways, which we like to dive into occasionally, but um, we have named it fertility, the other side of it. And it's something that her and I have been talking a lot about for a while and how we might bring that to the podcast. Uh, We feel like it's a topic that isn't given enough attention and there's a lot given in the space of fertility in regards to falling pregnant and prenatal care and looking after yourself while pregnant and on the other side, all all of that, which is wonderful. But we want to talk about the other side of fertility uh, and what we feel that women should be also talking more about and being um, more open about so yeah we are going to talk about some pretty um maybe button pressing areas in this topic don't you think
1: i i think it is and i think it's oh yeah and hopefully we're gonna hopefully articulate what we want to say because we're genuinely doing this podcast coming at it from a place of compassion and care but I think because of the industry that we work in and just being females ourselves and having Mm -hmm. a circle of female friends I think there's this whole this whole area of fertility where women you know struggle to fall pregnant or don't fall pregnant or have miscarriages or have to go down the IVF road or choose not to have babies and it's never spoken about well it is spoken about but it's spoken about in this real hush hush kind of way and you know behind closed doors and I think I think I've just had such a run of it in the last oh probably like 6 to 12 months of my life with friends and family and clients where it's just there's no perfect stories like there are some but I think mm. the more side of it or the bigger side of it that I see is the struggle and the struggle is real for a lot of women and for so many different factors, but it's not what's spoken about. It's not what's really, again, portrayed on social media. It's not what's even spoken about in close friend circles sometimes or family circles. And I just think, It needs to be fucking spoken about.
0: (laughs) Like it just—we're serious. There's an f-bomb already in the introduction. I just think,
1: yeah. I just talk. I see just so so many of my clients and friends, and I've got my own, you know, journey. You've got your, your own. Sort of journey to, we've all just got, every female has a story in terms of babies and fertility and choices and all those kinds of things. And I just think it's, yeah, it's time. It's time we just open that up.
0: Exactly. And I think also why we're choosing to talk about it on the podcast people might be thinking yeah nutritionist why are you talking about this Um, essentially it is something that we see in clinic a lot as far as women's and men's challenges and it is you know it's really wrapped up in why um, women or men might be going through health issues in all sorts of ways, whether it's directly to do with fertility or if it's even right back to gut issues that we deal so chronically with and the stress that's involved in this area. So it is hmm. really pertinent um, to, I would say, um, the industry as far as nutrition um, outside the realms of just something like nutritional care for preconception care, etc. So. Well,
1: absolutely. And I think too, like, the more I've dived into the hormone space over the last couple of years, like I didn't dive into the hormone space because I was fascinated with fertility. I dived, d- dove into the hormone space because I love the biochemistry of hormones. I love like how synergistic hormones can be and how they cannot be and how that, you know, impacts your health on so many varying levels. Um, I love obviously the detox of estrogen. I love how that the gut plays into that. But as a byproduct of falling in love with that space, I've had to take fertility with that. Yeah. Um, and that's not something I ever, you know, like for me as well. Like I've always made jokes that, you know, other other practitioners can deal with the fertility side of it and the, and the actual pregnancy side and having the babies. I'll just help women get pregnant and then deal with, deal with the <laughs> postpartum space. Sorry. But as a byproduct of that, I have I have seen. That it's not always this beautiful, um, mo- like you know, beautiful, easy flowing space where you get the body ready for pregnancy. Couples spend a couple of months trying to fall pregnant. Pregnancy happens pregnancy ends they have the baby and then they move into the postpartum space which obviously prevents its own Mm -hmm. challenges like as a byproduct of really getting into the hormone space what i've seen is you know for a lot of women quite the opposite and i think that's why like we're really wanting to talk about this as well so for sure
0: well let's start with talking about fertility in general in general um and what that essentially means and then some of the common issues around falling pregnant and uh, also I think in the realms of this as far as realistic time frames which I think realistic time frames almost relates back to fertility in general um, in in some regards because when we're talking about fertility we're generally talking about a window of time um, as far as when a woman first starts menstruating right through till Really, once you start getting into that sort of mid-30s range, where depending on women um, and everyone's different fluctuations of hormones and what's happening with their egg quality and egg production. um, And egg reserve. Exactly, egg reserve, which obviously is something we'll talk about as far as maybe testing in in that area. Um, There's different sort of challenges that are starting to come in once we get to that age where over the years we're seeing a decline obviously in our egg reserve so there is of course which most women of course know this optimal time for conception now i think you know that alone (laughs) creates a whole lot of stress in this area because we live in a world where we're not um getting married as early where as women in particular too we've got a lot more focus on our career Um, we've got a lot more um goals and ambitions outside of perhaps just having a family um, whether that's someone's prerogative to just do the family thing totally up to them but a lot of women are juggling a lot of different balls so I, I, was,
1: I was also going to say, I think too, gone are the days where women, like just due to pure financial pressure, like career driven or not, gone are the days where a family can really solidly rely on one income. True. Yeah. That's the other side of it too. Like, so sometimes it's women choose to, ha- choose to want to have a career and also have children, but sometimes they have to work or they have to go back mm-hmm. to work regardless of their fertility journey, just solely due to the fact that one income can't support a family these days. For sure.
0: And I think because of all of those things, women are generally getting to the point of thinking about children at an 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 age that is older than perhaps the women before us, which automatically yeah. puts us into a time frame where our egg quality or eggs reserve may not be as optimal as it would have been in our say mid twenties. Exactly. So I think you know when I think about fertility in a sort of nutshell that's sort of my first thought but Mm. also I I definitely think about that as far as like realistic time frames Mm. um but I think it's also important that which we'll get to is the as far as things like IVF and the struggles like once you hit into that mid-30s or for some women, even early thirties, or depending on what challenges that they have, it's not like the doors close. It's just things are more challenging, um, which is a big part of what we want to talk about today too. Yeah. But yeah, what what about from your side as far as when you think about fertility and mm. any anything else you wanted to add to that?
1: Well, I also just think too, like the time frame around what is what is expected of a woman when she starts trying to fall pregnant versus what is actually real sometimes. Mm. Like I think there's this expectation that society has placed on women that when you're either in your fertile years, in inverted commas, which, you know, realistically most GPs will tell you is your mid-20s, Um, That once you start trying to fall pregnant, you should really. It's so different depending on every woman. Every woman's an experience, and whether she spoke with a gynecologist or a doctor, or you know, any an endocrinologist, depending on what her sort of journey is in terms of the getting ready for baby space. But there's there seems to be this pressure that if it hasn't happened in three to four months, that something's wrong, Mm. Um, and that's a big one. But then you speak to other GPs, and I've had clients who actually do have things that actually have been, you know, biochemically, you know, causing issues, I'm not going to say wrong, but biochemically causing fertility issues where they've been dismissed and said, unless you have been trying for 12 months and haven't fallen pregnant, we're not even going to do any investigation. So I think the window is so broad but also so misunderstood in terms of that and that just also puts a lot of pressure on women and couples trying to have babies no matter what their age in terms of trying to fall pregnant because i just it's not black and white like it's not like if you haven't fallen pregnant for three months something's wrong or if you haven't fallen pregnant for six months something's wrong like it's just i just think there's in that even that realistic time frame for falling pregnant for two healthy and let's just say biologically Optimally functioning, functioning people. So let's take like endometriosis, PCOS, high, you know, estrogen-driven stuff. Let's just say biochemically, there's no reason why you shouldn't fall pregnant. And from a husband or a partner or a, you know, a sperm donor point of view, there's no reason why there shouldn't be, you know, a match there and things shouldn't work. It doesn't still mean it still doesn't mean you're going to fall pregnant in three months. Mm -hmm. It still could be six months. It still could be twelve months. But there's still this crazy pressure and this time frame that the minute you start trying, you should just fall pregnant. And if you don't, well, what's wrong? Do you yep. know what I mean? So I think sure. I think even that alone
0: <laughs> That's the irony in this area, isn't it? To like the pressure that comes with it. So, yeah, there's there's these time frames as, as far as what I think we put on ourselves, particularly we see it with clients, where they start they, they, they come up with this plan as far as okay, we're gonna have a baby, we're gonna start taking my prenatal and look at having a baby by this time of the year so I'm like you know having this this child joining us at this time of the year and they start (laughs) like planning it all out and it it doesn't go that way and there's this yeah this expectation that you're going to start trying and you're going to be pregnant it's just going to happen and it really doesn't happen that way I think it's more common than not that it is in some way more challenging than women believe it's going to be. And
1: yeah, you know, I say
0: women, I should say couples, because it's definitely a pressure on both sides where I think the, the male also can be like, okay, we're a couple of months in. Why isn't this happening? What's wrong? Yeah. What, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? And yeah. I think that from a pressure point of view, I know I've seen that with um, clients and even with family where the the there isn't a pregnancy happening, there isn't a conception happening and it creates so much stress and anxiety on both parties. And yep. and in sometimes a, a kind of questioning or a a blame that can happen where... Or a the, guilt. The ma- from- definitely a guilt, huge amount of guilt. And I, I would say particularly, I think for both, but particularly for women because there is such an expectation that this is what we're... Um, sort of built to do and then when it doesn't happen it's just like what's wrong with me and a a guiltiness within the relationship that you're not um, being able to give that person something that they want like it just Mm. is so loaded with pressure which in turn makes things 10 times worse for conception so it's like this vicious negative circle that just continues To feed, each
1: and I other. think even even the pressure, like you talk to couples, like the pressure on even just the sex side of things. Like yes. I used talk to your girlfriends. Like I've even I've got a lot of guy friends, and I've had a lot of guy friends over the years where their wives are in this space where they're like ready to make babies, yes. and the guys yep. are just like, I used to love having sex, and now yeah. it's just like I'm pinned down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which you know, but like it's just an open conversation <laughs> that you have with boys and you have with girls, and the girls are the same. They're like, Yep, I've got four. Days and I'm chaining him to the bed, you know, and it's just like, and if it happens in the first two months, and that's all something that's fun and lighthearted and can be laughed about. But when it's not happening, and then all of a sudden sex becomes, instead of something fun and something loving and something, mm-hmm. you know, that is meant to be enjoyed or, you know, for purposes just of actual pleasure or to make babies it all of a sudden the stress takes that away and then that, you know, that's an extra pressure too on both parties, you know, like yeah, I've even had, I've even had boys say like, I don't want to have sex this month. And you know, like there's such a stigma around men, are the ones that always want sex, but they feel the stress and the pressure as well. So
0: yeah. yeah. And then the, how damaging that can be overall to the, the relationship. Yeah. I, I can even think of a client in the last sort of couple of months who, was questioning her libido, but the more we talked about it she realised that for so long sex for her had been about conception. Yep. And that it, it had been tied up with stress and pressure. And it was it was like, wow, I actually need to reestablish That sex is something just to be enjoyed with my partner. Like it's it's lost any meaning for being something of enjoyment because it's just been a chore for so long. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's a very real conversation for a lot of couples. You know, so that alone, like I have lost time, like count of the amount of times I've had that conversation with clients, with friends, with family. So I don't think I don't think anyone listening to this is gonna think oh that's never happened to me or someone I know because that is quite often the reality of trying to make babies.
0: (laughs) Exactly so let's start moving towards what happens if you don't fall pregnant because we're talking to the fact of the difficulties at this point and obviously that could end up um, a struggle in its own but then you do fall and that's wonderful but what happens if you don't actually fall pregnant um, or maybe you do fall pregnant and it doesn't follow through so there's miscarriages involved which again are so common and so not given enough space as far as talking about this because it happens so commonly and if women spoke to each other more about it I think they would find that I'm not sure the statistic off the top of my head, but I'm sure someone in your close circle, if not one or two or three women would have dealt with some form of miscarriage, whether it's in the early stages, mid stages, or maybe latter stages, but particularly the early stages where a lot of it happens. And there is a bit of a brush off in that it wasn't oh, inverted commas a real pregnancy like it wasn't mm, yeah that's such wasn't. shit it is <laughs> horrible and then again to feed back into this whole pressure and guilt scenario where if it's happened in these earlier stages women feel guilty for feeling um the the emotions and the sadness around it so mm. essentially when we start to look at this space of not falling Um, in general or miscarriages it obviously just brings with it a whole load of extra emotions and stress and look I guess the the way I think about this too is that it can go down either pathway because it might be someone um, or a couple who are trying to get pregnant and they're having multiple miscarriages and then they do fall yeah. or uh, couples who are trying to get pregnant over years and years and years and it's not happening and then they do fall. But then from there, there's also the fact that it may just not continue to happen Like, yeah. and, and where to next from there? Like what and are I the think, decisions?
1: And I think that's a very real space. Like I've got like a lot of really close friends and family and clients that have been in this multiple miscarriage space some of them have eventually fallen pregnant and that is absolutely beautiful. But then there is also a very big handful of women that, yeah, either have tried and tried and tried and never actually fallen pregnant. And then we get into this next space, which we'll talk about or just had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And then it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? And some of them have been like early stage miscarriages, like around the six week mark. Some of them have been a lot further on. And I think, I think the, the, Horrible thing is, is like what you said, it's just, it's treated so clinically. And I think that's what pisses yeah. me off in that space a bit. And I think like it's just treated well, don't worry about it. One, I think the, and I, I don't even like using the word statistic because I feel like it needs to even be a lot more real than a statistic you know like the statistic is one in five women will have a miscarriage so just keep trying and it's like well that doesn't make it any easier on the girl that's just had the miscarriage or the couple that's just got their hopes up every time you see that pregnancy line it doesn't make it any easier in terms of you know like depending on how the miscarriage plays out like the event of that itself is very traumatic I've been through one and I think then the leveling out of the emotions that happen after that like it takes months it's not just something like the minute you've had that big bleed or you've had the cure or whatever it is, that that feeling all goes away and you just keep on trying. Like you are on a roller coaster of an emotional crazy storm. Couple that with stress of then just trying again to have another baby if that's, you know, the journey and the path that you're on. It's It's just not given enough recognition. I feel like in any field really in terms of how big of a space this really is and how like common it is. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I think also the sense, like on top of what you just said, as far as the emotion that a woman will be going through and her, her partner, the other thing I think that is massive, that gets tied up in all of this is, is that feeling of failure or, yeah, I guess failure is the word. You feel that this is something that your body should be able to do and then mm. when it doesn't happen... Or it does happen, and then it's taken away. Like you're in some sense that you feel like you failed. and yeah. that you've done, you haven't done something, or or you've done something you shouldn't do, which is yeah. so not true. Oh sweetheart, oh, I knew I'd get us.
1: <laughs> it's just because I've got, I've just got so many close people in my life that yeah. I've watched go through this, and even just clients. Like I was thinking about when we we're going to do this podcast today, and we said one of us will get emotional, if not both of us. <laughs> But I think the whole thing is even as practitioners, like take the watching your friends and your family go through situations like this. You know, obviously, like I've had a miscarriage. Mine was pretty traumatic as well. But, you know, but it's just you go into like the whole nutritional care space and the practitioner handbook says to you don't get emotionally involved in your, with your clients how do you not do that <laughs> I'm sorry how do you not
0: that like, handbook needs to be the torn handbook up needs and, to be
1: burnt or, or
0: take a big dump on it maybe
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's exactly right like it's there's, there's just this whole other space that's just so locked up and women just keep it to themselves and they they are talk to us about it or you know your friend circles might I know even in my really like my good friend circles, the s- stories that I know that have happened to friends and even like a close family and stuff like that in this whole space like and everyone just gets on with their daily life and doesn't talk about it and it's like you're not allowed to grieve about it openly or publicly, you're not allowed to like, I don't know, like I don't I'm just, I don't understand why it's just been so hush-hushed for so long and it's just... Mm. Ev- You know, there's so many women going through this on so many levels and it's just not spoken about enough. Like, Mm -hmm. anyway.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (sighs) So (laughs) that, that sort of brings us to the next part in what often can be the journey around this is where women and couples have to preferencing that it's not just women but i think, for I think chris and i it's, it's, it's a lot about what yeah. we feel as women but we understand that whether it's a couple as a male female or female female, female. like whatever the situation but or
1: or just female like i've actually got on a, their
0: own true i just
1: i've got a really good girlfriend um who she really just didn't have a she just didn't have a partner and she went down like she got to the stage where she wanted to have babies um, and she went down the IVF road, which is obviously what we're going to talk about mm. now, but she was doing it on her own and had m- multiple miscarriage. I think like 11 or something oh like that, God. like, you know, like, and just that alone is epic. Do you yeah. know what I mean? To watch yeah. and know someone who has been through that space, like you know, with beautiful family and friends around her, of course, but just what she would have gone through over so many years of trying and so many years of IVF, you know, and when I'm not saying IVF doesn't work, IVF has some absolutely beautiful yeah. stories. I'm just giving one person scenario of multiple miscarriages in the space on their own. Oh, mm-hmm. crazy. And look,
0: this, yeah, IVF is what we want to talk about next. Like it has multiple outcomes and as clinicians in this space that we work in we've had many many clients working through IVF alongside people close to us and I think the thing with going down this pathway is that it has to be respected as someone's decision to do or not do and then my concern always with this space is that there is an expectation again that it's it's going to happen like I think people go into it knowing that it's not black and white but as Carissa just said, that majority of the time there is a lot that's being put into this as far as um, obviously financials, but also the fact that it is often a commitment of a lot of time, months, years, and majority of the situations I've worked alongside in clinic or have had close to me personally have taken so many times and they have been the ultimate sacrifice as far Great. as everything in these people's lives they have not been tr- well traveling you can't do anymore anyway but <laughs> at the time like traveling doing anything yeah. majorly as far as other financial commitments everything is funneled into IVF the 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 pressure on the couple the the commitment levels that are what are taken to commit to everything involved along the way like it is a massive massive investment of time finances and And emotions I just choked on my own spit bubble that wasn't (laughs) actually getting upset about anything yet (laughs) (laughs) it's just such a commitment and look some people do it and it works for them whether it's um, a year or five seven years down the track and that's wonderful but I just think again that it's not a space that is talked about enough as far as the trauma that can come
1: along the way like like I almost think it's it it borderlines with post-traumatic stress do you know what I mean like in terms of the severity of the emotional trauma it puts on the couple the female herself whether she's going it alone whether she's got a partner of you know, any, you know, female to female, like obviously, you know, males are looking male to males looking at adoption or surrogacy. That's a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, or female and male clearly, but like, it's just, it's, if it, if it happens smoothly, it's the same with not like having a baby in a more mm. natural setting. If it, ha- if IVF runs smoothly, it's a beautiful process. Like, and thank God for it because there's so many couples out there that all they have ever wanted to do is have a baby and when they can't fall in inverted commas naturally because I've even had friends in the IVF space have other people say to them well it's not really natural to if you have this baby and like the this is what this is why I think I I just get so frustrated in this space it's like everyone needs to kind of keep their opinions to themselves and think about how they word things because Uh the people living this and going through this have got every ounce of every freaking cell in their body invested in it and every hope and dream they have invested in it and if it doesn't happen or it fails the first time, that is huge. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not just, oh well, it, that that embryo didn't take. We'll just give you another round of injections and we'll try again when you're we'll force you to ovulate and we'll try again in two months time. Like holy shit, that's epic. <laughs> like yeah,
0: Exactly. So exactly. I think the other thing that we mentioned earlier too is which sort of brings it back to the the reason we do see a lot of of this in what we do is there's certain types of conditions um, or um, I guess periods in a, a woman in a woman's life that she gets to where IVF might become the option. Yeah. Um, and this is even interesting in its own, I guess, depending on the uh, endocrinologist or the GP or the specialist that you're yep. working with as far as when it may be suggested. Um, so often I think it can be very quickly looked at as a road to go down when um, for us working with improving people's health and their hormones and um, hormonal conditions or barriers that they're coming up against we, we love to be able to dive in before there is perhaps the yeah. really full-on in investment in all ways that we're talking about into IVF but I guess the main things for us is women who um, are dealing with PCOS or dealing with endometriosis or fibroids or these sort of common conditions that we know about yeah low AMH um, these are things that are often diagnosed in inverted commas and then potentially really quickly looked at as a reason for IVF and um, I know I've had clients over the years and even um, this is one for myself actually where I had uh, I can't even remember how old I was but basically having a low AMH at a point and having a huge amount of pressure put onto me by um, a GP about okay right well this is it you better get to it like and Mm. also the pressure as far as well also If this doesn't happen for you in three months (laughs) in three months then you better start thinking about IVF so there's there's a lot there's a lot of pressure on top with these types of situations where there can be a very quick push down the IVF pathway and again that might be suitable for a lot of women and result in these amazing outcomes but often for what again we see in clinic there can be a lot of support that can be done here without needing to go down such um, a inverted commas again traumatic pathway for a lot of women.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing too is it's not some it's not always too, just the pressure from the IVF specialist or the gp or the gynecologist Um, it's also sometimes pressure from family and depending on your depending on your your partner and your cultural background and all of that i've had conversations with women in you know obviously in my clinic room where they want to spend six to 12 months working on their hormones naturally their family won't allow it do you know Hmm. what i mean and i think that's a big that's a big thing where they're like look i'm happy to give my body 12 months my husband wants to have babies now so we're doing ivf Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, there's so much pressure from my family, it's just easier to start going down this IVF road straight away. And look, we're not sitting on the other side of the fence here saying we can fix every PCOS case and every endometriosis case and you will fall pregnant naturally. That is absolutely not always the case. No. Like I've had clients where we have worked on their PCOS and we've got their skin clear and we've got their, you know, know, there's no like cysts left on their ovaries or we've worked out there's endometriosis and they've had the surgery and everything biologically looks fine and they still don't fall pregnant. So... You know, like, and that's where I, that's where the IVF space comes in beautifully. But there's there's so it's it's just there's so many variables as to how and why IVF happens and sometimes happens very quickly. But I think yeah, sometimes there's a lot of pressure in the space as well. Where, like, just to put it in retrospect, too. I think I've had, I've had a handful of clients and I've had some friends as well being told that they won't ever fall pregnant naturally. They have to do IVF or just give up on their chances of having a baby. Some of them have just decided that they're not going down the IVF road and that they've just given up on their chance of having a baby and have mm-hmm. fallen pregnant at an older age when all the yeah. pressures off them at 39, 40 and 41 Do you know what I mean? Like this this is the, and they've been told they'll never have babies or never have babies again. And then all of a sudden they they do and they have, and their body holds a pregnancy at the ripe old age of 39 when we're supposed to be considered not fertile.
0: Out to pasture.
1: Yeah, out to pasture to graze. But it's like my friends listening to this know who they are. But um. But is, this is what I mean. Like, there's just, you know, and my girlfriend that I was talking about that had the multiple miscarriages throughout. If she's one of those people, mm-hmm. she had she fell pregnant at I think she was 40 and just met a guy. I thought she'd never fall pregnant and oh, did naturally. Yeah. yeah. I've got another girlfriend who was told she would never have babies. She was on the pill her whole life, tried to come off it, and then was told you're basically infertile. She's got a lot of injuries, um, all this kind of stuff fell pregnant at 39 you know what I mean she was you know there's just there is these beautiful lights at the end of the tunnel and that's not obviously what we're talking about today but I also think there's a big in the in the clinical medical space there's also a lot of almost again it's I I want there to be I guess a a recognition in the industry and amongst people talking of the language that is used when you're dealing with couples and females trying to fall pregnant Mm -hmm. because it's so damaging. Like if you get told you're in menopause or you get told you'll never have babies or you get told your body's not working so you have to go down, like those words are so emotionally damaging to the women, to the women, to the couples. Like it's mm-hmm. ugh,
0: yeah, huge. Agreed. Oh, my God, I
1: agree And, and it puts this pressure on women to go, okay, well, I've got no chance of having a baby naturally. I have to go down this expensive and emotional root and you know like pop all these hormones into my body and sometimes yes it is necessary and yes you will fall pregnant but sometimes maybe it's not like it's just I feel like yeah anyway I could go on that one for a few tangents as well well that's
0: it's actually a good tangent because it brings us to the next topic which is when you simply hit a point where you choose not to have a baby to not to not go down that pathway and whether this is your first baby or another baby is it because IVF has just not been successful, and you reach a point where you don't want to keep going down that pathway.
1: Yeah. Um you there choose, can be mul- multiple well, I reasons. Say, yeah, like so I've had conversations with like clients where you know, and they're obviously more like like between yours and my age, not in the younger 30s bracket where we've still got a lot of girls that we've, going through IVF and trying, but like they're more like, you know, like, yeah, my age um, into their early 40s and they're just like, you know what, we did it all and we just yeah. decided that we couldn't do it anymore and we, if we're going to have any chance at a future together, we mm-hmm. have to just pull away from this space no mat- and no matter how much it killed us and holy crap, like I can only imagine what these couples have gone through to make decisions like that, to go through failure you know, many like pregnancies that didn't eventuate, IVF pregnancies that didn't eventuate and then also come out the other side, I'm sure a lot of couples don't survive it. And then some couples do. And, but the, you know, like what they have to work through to come out the other side and choose each other over this want to have a baby is a whole other space again. Exactly. Um,
0: And I don't, again, I, in this space, I don't think that's given enough recognition because There's a lot of couples or women on their own who are making that decision. And particularly if it has come out of wanting to to start with or or trying to in some capacity and then reached a a point where there has to be or they want to together make a decision that this isn't a pathway to take anymore. And that is a really huge decision to go through a yep. lot of emotions, a lot of pressure, a lot of, a lot yep. of guilt again. And yep. feel like it brings up all of those horrible words as far as failure. Like it's, yep. it's a really full on space. And when couples choose to make that decision, I think it needs to be recognized as how brave that can be because hundred percent, realistically, as you just mentioned too, like this space can break people. It can hundred percent break relationships and choosing to choose each other and to have a a life together and to build a life in a different way is just as courageous. And it's something, yeah, that I just feel personally really passionate about. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I just, I think that yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna let you talk
1: (laughs) okay I also think in that space as well I'm probably both going to get a bit emotional here but I also think there comes a stage where and I've seen this like with probably you and I this is a space we'll get a bit emotional about um and even just with clients where sometimes women just decide to choose themselves and it's been such a journey or whatever and I've had I've had a client recently who they had Um, they had a baby naturally they couldn't fall pregnant the second time they went down the IVF road it didn't work it took so much out of them emotionally and then she fell pregnant naturally at 39 Mm -hmm. they chose to terminate the pregnancy and I you know and she's like she feels so horrible about that and so guilty about that and I'm like she's like because all I did was want this second baby for so long she's like but my I my body is fucked. I'm so tired. It has taken so much out of me. I've got a, uh, I can't remember how old her daughter is at the moment, you know, and she's been a client of mine for quite a while. Um, and it's, and you know, and even that alone, like, there'd be so much judgment on her in her eyes because she's chosen to terminate a pregnancy but because she chooses herself and her relationship, she knows that her body has taken as much as a body can actually endure in terms of stress and emotional stress and IVF and all of that and mm-hmm. she's raising a child, she has a husband. She's like, I just need to just put my time into that. I can't put it now, put it into all of this again. Like, And yep. that's a decision that she made but then again, I know that there'd be there'd be so much judgment I think in the fertility space and I think there's so much judgment in the pregnancy termination space that it's considered ungrateful and I know that this opens up a whole other can of worms but every woman's decision to have a baby to try to have a baby through no matter what means she wants to do to not have a baby is her choice a hundred percent. So like, yeah, I just think there's so many real conversations that I have with women, especially as we get older. And like, I know for myself and I know for you, we have talked about this, like I'm at the stage of my life where I have decided I will not have a baby. Like, Mm. you know, like I, you know, like I definitely, it's not something I really wanted to do when I was younger, but then I did fall pregnant and I had all the hopes and dreams and everything, but then it didn't happen. Um, fell pregnant again and you were definitely with me through this next one and then it was a complicated, horrible start to it and they basically said it's going to be not a good pregnancy even if this baby holds. So my partner and I at the time made the decision to terminate that pregnancy because we knew that it wasn't going to be an easy road and there's going to probably be a lot of people listening to that that will judge that on me but my close family and friends and you know what I went through there Um, so judge away but that's my decision (laughs) um but i just think there's this whole other space too and then you know and i kind of look back on that so so many of these things and so many like friends decisions and clients decisions where you know and it's just you get to this stage of your life where you just like you know if i had met my partner i have now eight years ago my decisions may have been completely different my life may have been completely different i might have decided to really try to have babies but I'm at the stage now where I'm, I'm choosing me and it's, yep. I don't want to go down the child like they're having babies Right? does that mean for me and you who have chosen, you know, at our stage of the life, when our life, we're not going to have babies that we're not as excited about everyone else when they have babies or we don't yep. get so freaking happy when someone <laughs> we love or a client we love falls pregnant after yep. trying. Fuck no, we are stoked.
0: Exactly. But it's yep. just
1: everyone, again, it comes back to decisions like, and what you want just because you have and maybe can have babies do you have to do it like
0: yes exactly and if a woman simply chooses that she does not want to be a mother or have babies that it's not a heartless decision and that it's not a representation of how she feels about children in general or a judgment onto you and your family, and choosing to have children. It's, as Carissa said, so importantly, it's about every person, every woman's individual decision, and being respectful of this in this space is so important in moving forward and supporting each other because. Yeah there's there is such a there is such a divide between these two camps in some ways yeah. and a lot of space and attention which is wonderful that is given to women around fertility and and new babies and so forth but this is a space that really needs more attention and women need more respect and to be heard more and to be encouraged to make decisions for themselves more or within their own family unit without feeling judged
1: yeah 100 percent. and i also really want to bring to light to the wording and just if, if anyone takes anything away from this podcast think about how you approach a woman who might be trying to have a baby and think about what you say to them don't put the pressure on, I think this is one of the biggest things and I had this conversation with a lot of my clients and obviously family and friends is that I don't think people go out of their way to say things that are going to upset other women. But I, of there's course other, not, no. but I do think that there's just a lot of expectation that once a woman gets married or once she's a certain age that she'll be trying for babies. And then the comment is made, especially like women work in all women environments and all the things, but then the comment is made, oh so how long till you have a baby or are you guys trying for a baby just be really careful about what you say because you don't know what is going on for those people behind the scenes like you know like they might have been trying for 18 months and they're you know in the middle of deciding whether or not they're going to go through ivf or they've just done an unsuccessful round of ivf and you're just asking them why they haven't had a baby yet just think about what you say (laughs) and i i'd say to a lot of my clients and stuff no one says this. I think it's just a way of making general chit chat, but this general chit chat can be quite damaging and it adds to the pressure. And mm-hmm. sometimes too, just maybe thinking about if you don't know the person's circumstance, then maybe don't ask. <laughs> 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 like I think, I think an interesting thing was the conversation I had with my GP, hey, a little while ago. Ew. I was in. Here's a, here's a classic one. So I was in with my GP getting a pap smear, fun. Um, Anyway, and she wasn't my normal GP. She was just someone who was standing in because my GP was away. And I've had the conversation with my GP that I don't want to have children. I also don't want to be on the pill. Um, It's a conversation we have almost every time I'm in there, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, And anyway so and I'm in the middle of getting my pap smear so obviously we can all visualize that ladies <laughs> little duck beak is in and things are open anyway <laughs> the duck beak is in but um and she says to me she's like so how many children do you have and I'm like none and she's like but you're 36 in this really demeaning tone and I'm like I am well aware of how old I am was all I said <laughs> sort of a thing but it's just like it's just this assumption that I haven't had babies. Okay, you're this age and why? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have to explain my decisions to you. I don't have to explain my journey to you. I don't have to explain my reason why I've decided at 36 I'm not going to try for babies mm-hmm. um, or actively try not to get pregnant. Like it's no one's business. It's mine. And
0: Exactly. I think, yeah, and this is such a an area that I think we want to sort of bring to light as we wrap this up because the language and the communication around this really needs to start to change. It's I often think about it the way you would be more cautious about speaking to a person, particularly a woman, if she had put on some weight or maybe lost a lot of weight. Um, you would be sort of careful about what you would say. But there seems to be this open slather just to ask um, people in relationships at certain stages or a woman about... What's going on? When are you going to have a baby? Oh, are oh, you, you thinking about gone. having a baby? Um, yeah, wh- wh- whether you're married or not married, there is just like this open communication that seems to be there. And as Chris said, no one knows. You don't know what's going on behind those doors. And those questions can be so painful. And the thing is, the way I see it, if someone wants to talk to you about their fertility journey or their choice not to have children or whatever it is they'll tell you if they want to be open and talk to you about it they mm. will but if they don't they don't want you asking about something that can be really deeply personal mm. and really deeply triggering so it's I, I get that it can be a struggle sometimes because it can feel like it's just a conversation opener in a social situation yeah but I know and Carissa knows from personal experiences around this that it can be a really shitty question to throw at women with the expectations around it. And, yeah, it's just – it's something that we do need to think more mindfully about.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: And I don't know whether part of this too is – about, you know, for well, this is one of the reasons we're sharing this today, I think it's talking about this subject more. I'd like to see more women being more open in that oversharing space yeah. of social media, because I feel like when you look at social media, it's just like this glossy world of pregnancies beautiful and pregnant babies beautiful tanned
1: pregnant bellies oh, and, and, and and it's fucking beautiful it is but yeah. behind all of that like em will so happily like be okay for us to talk about this because i think we've talked about this on a podcast or on yeah. social media before em who has just had her baby and far out watching her grow that belly yeah. and <laughs> is like it gives us such the warm and fuzzies you know we just because jess and i are in a different space with our it's not even a fertility journey anymore it's our decision that we're not going to mm-hmm. have, have babies like we watch someone like Em who we love with all of our fucking heart fall pregnant and have babies <laughs> and we're like oh my god this is the best thing ever but like Em and Brandon spent like what was it I can't even remember I don't want to get this wrong but I know she won't mind anyway but they spent over 12 months and yeah. their chances of falling pregnant was so slim and I remember Sitting in the office with M one day, and she just broke down, and she was just like, "I'm not going to have a baby. Yeah. Like, I think I'm just going to have to go to go through the IVF road." And it just was so tough on her and Bmos, but just, <laughs> but just even that like broke my heart. Like just, and then of course M comes in a week later,
0: and the like, reason you know she was so emotional <laughs> <email last> week,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know how last week how I was real emotional. I'm like, yeah, because you're allowed to fucking be emotional. And she's like, well, it turns out I'm pregnant, but that's you know, but it's just like. There's behind, there's just, everyone has this uh, story in this space and for so many clients that even have three beautiful children, a lot of them have had a miscarriage or two miscarriages in there or they've had three children and they fell pregnant again and financially they can't afford a fourth child so they've fallen pregnant and chosen a termination and it has broken them but they've had Mm -hmm. to make that decision and I just think there's, oh, there's just so much that everyone just, yeah, like we've said, doesn't talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing I would also say too about the space of being careful around language is for people or or women or couples on the side of dealing with a lot of things we're talking about today, have have something that maybe you have prepared in the back of your mind that is your reflection sentence back <laughs> which might seem really yeah, weird it's a good but idea, this though. has been something that has really helped myself or even um with Damien and I in certain situations where we've chosen
1: I'm thinking um, of Damien's <laughs> one that you told me
0: yes. so we were at we were at a uh, Christmas party and oh I don't know, it must have been like four or five years or so ago. So Damien and I had been married for quite a few years and it was a really common question for us to be getting about children. And we were chatting away to another couple that were there who didn't know us at all but yeah, just straight out with a like, So, oh yeah, we, why don't you guys have kids? When are you having kids? And Damien just turned to them and said, We hate children <laughs> <laughs> And the look on their faces was priceless, which is completely opposite of how we feel, but it just completely diffused the situation. The situation yeah. But you don't obviously you need don't something because Dame- intense as that. You don't <laughs> you don't need need Damien's, Damien's
1: response, response. But- <laughs> clever as it was. But <laughs> yes. hey, to a bunch of randoms. I couldn't think of a better way just to shut people down. Like
0: or <laughs> well, it might be just something like, oh, look, thanks for your question, but it's just not something that I'm comfortable to, or that it's just not something I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Um, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's probably having some form of language that you form around that, that becomes your buffer. So you don't find yourself explaining to a stranger or your aunt or whoever it is, stuff that you don't want to have to talk about because yep. it's your Agreed. stuff or yep. whatever it might be. So I think that can be a really powerful tool.
1: Yeah. And I think too, like, it kind of sounds like we're like giving you saying two things here, like talk about it, but don't talk about it, but talk about it to the people that you want to talk about it to or yeah. talk about it, you know, but don't feel like you have to explain your choices and your decisions and your journey to people that probably, I don't. it's not that they don't want to hear it, but uh, I don't know. I don't even well, know you shouldn't, I'm
0: with. The, the, no, I know what you mean. But the thing is, right, you sh- if you are in a social situation, you shouldn't have to explain yourself to someone that you don't want to in any, yeah, situation, in right? any situation, It is your choice at yeah, any point about anything, to really. talk about something that is personal to you. So if you don't want to talk about it and someone asks you something, then you don't have to justify yourself or talk about it. However, if you do want to talk about it and you do find that you're in a situation where you do want to voice your opinion – then voice your opinion and talk about it and share it. It, But it's your choice. It's not someone else's choice to dictate that you should talk about it and explain to them why you're not doing something that they expect you to be doing. So it's just, to me, it's a, a choice of empowerment either way.
1: And I think, as a listener or as a person who has actively asked the question, if you don't want to hear an honest answer, don't actively ask the question. Because if you have any judgment or any um, of your own agenda or hidden connotations around how you might feel, depending on what that person's answer is going to be, then don't even ask the question. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's as simple as that, I think. So, yeah. Whew, heavy heavy <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey just something that just came to mind when you were talking about m is that the uh, she obviously she said some beautiful pictures on social media but after um after the little Elkie was born there were some photos that were sent around and there was one in there it's a, if you go back and look at the photos it was I think you'll know which one I mean it was like the last one of M with Elkie sitting on her chest and the I cannot, I can't look at that photo without crying. It's the most
1: beautiful. Oh, photo, there's one that, that I emotion. was the same. Yeah, I think there was one that I was the same. I just kept, I just kept looking at it and like yes. tearing up. I was just like, oh my god. was just yeah. like
0: it's just so that emotion of like that look on her face. I was like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah. But look, we will wrap this up. Um, Essentially, we really just wanted to open the communication with this topic today and it might have uh, rubbed a few little war wounds. We're more than happy to talk about it on our our socials. Um, It's just something we wanted to speak openly about. And again, the reason we're doing it is because from a clinical point of view, it is something that we see consistently so tied up in women's health journeys in so many different ways and for that reason shining a light on us is important but it's more than that you know it's 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 sharing it in a wider realm as women
1: as women yeah like just like it's got to be taken I think the biggest thing is taking it out of this clinical context of just making women go through the motions and just expecting that it's all emotionally okay and everything will be fine. Like it's, I think we've just got to step away from that whole, yeah, I keep using the word clinical. Well, That's the only word I can think of to describe it when you take the emotional attachment away from the process. And yep. it's not that you can't have a fertility journey or a fertility story or anything like that without there being a massive emotional involvement and investment. And that is the part that needs to be spoken about, I think. Uh-huh. it Exactly. Needs. So, yeah. Well, cool.
0: Thank you, everyone, for Thanks listening every- today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, it's been a bit of a heavier chat, but... Um, I'm, when we... Yeah. One we've wanted to do for a while we Quite hope while. that you've enjoyed it and gotten a lot out of it. It is something we would dearly love you to share if we have resonated um, with you today. And, you you know, again, we're trying to reach more women with this topic um, and people within couples that are, are going through this or people that just need to be talking about this more, which is everyone. So please share it. It would be yeah. really, really special for all us yeah. if you could share this one in particular and I think
1: it would, I, was gonna say, I think it'd be really special for a lot of women who probably maybe don't talk about it and don't have a good circle of female friends or whatever, and maybe are going through this process and maybe feeling that they should just have to keep all this shit bottled up inside them because it is just part of the process. And maybe they just need to hear that they can talk to someone about it. And they're not the only woman or couple that have gone through this process. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much guys, for
0: joining us. (laughs) Big
1: one. Happy Friday.
0: (laughs) And we will be in your ears again soon. You can subscribe to the podcast, of course, uh, in iTunes and uh, you will find us on SoundCloud and also in Spotify. So leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. But otherwise, love you heaps and we'll chat to you again soon. Talk
1: to you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.